So it's Super Bowl Sunday. It's time to get your predictions out of the way. Who here is rooting for the Chiefs? Yeah, okay, all right. Good number of us. Who here is all about the 49ers? <laughs> Two people. You guys should hang out together, yeah. <laughs> Overall, I can tell we're really excited about the game. Uh, here's, here's who I'm rooting for. I'm rooting for the snacks. That's what I'm rooting for. I'm just rooting for some championship-level queso. That's what I'm rooting for. This morning, we're continuing a teaching series we've been in for a handful of weeks called Practicing Christian. We're looking at six habits and attitudes that are essential to a life of, of not just being a follower of Jesus, but in your life of following Jesus, continuing to grow each day, each month, each year, in what it means to be a person who belongs to and is touched by the mercy and grace of Jesus. Uh, we started the conversation by talking about how every single person uh, needs to begin their day with an attitude of surrender. Then we talked about prayer. We talked about the priority that we need to place on God's word. And then today we're going to talk about community. But before we dive in, I want to remind you that we want you to stay engaged in this conversation. We want you to be writing notes. We want the things we talk about to live on beyond the four walls of this place on Sunday morning. And so we've even provided you with a notebook. And if you forgot your notebook or you lost your notebook or never got one, we have more here. We'll have more next week. Use that. Use something to stay engaged in this conversation. All right? So today, we're talking relationships. And, and there's one word that, that Christian churches and Christian people like to use when talking about relationships, and that word is community. The big idea for this morning is this, that a practicing Christian insists on experiencing biblical community. That's something to write down. A practicing Christian insists on experiencing biblical community. Now, I'm going to take, with the time I've got left, uh, I'm going to take the time to expand on that phrase, biblical community. But let's start back in the scriptures, uh, looking, at, looking at the letter to the Hebrews um, that, uh, that we heard earlier. Hebrews chapter 10. Let me, let me jump into this and see if you notice anything interesting about these three verses. Let us draw near to God with a true heart, with full assurance of faith. With our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water, let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For he who promised is faithful, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. Notice the communal language that the writer of Hebrew uses to describe the life of faith. Everything that the writer talks about in the life of faith, it is plural pronouns. It is a we thing. It's an our thing. It is an us thing. Here, here are the three points I'm going to make throughout the entire sermon this morning. Number one, you need friends. Number two, you need friends who share your faith. And number three, you need friends who share your faith because the friends who share your faith, they provide God's presence. In fact, we can put it on the screen. Write this down. You need friends who share your faith and can provide God's presence. Uh, human beings in isolation suffer. They, they suffer emotionally. They, they suffer spiritually. Uh, we even suffer spiritually, when uh, physically rather, when isolated. Uh, the U.S. government released some statistics last year in 2019 about the effects of loneliness on human beings in, in North America. And among their findings was this, that, that the effect of loneliness and isolation on, on a human being is the same as being morbidly obese. 
that if you suffer from loneliness and prolonged isolation, it's the equivalent of smoking, they said, 15 cigarettes a day. That people who are suffering from loneliness or prolonged isolation, they are at 30% greater risk for heart disease or stroke. That middle schoolers and high schoolers who report being lonely and isolated are far more likely to harm themselves or to attempt suicide. You and I know this. Human beings in isolation and who are alone they suffer. And, and so bottom line, baseline, a practicing Christian knows what all human beings should know, which is that we need some friends. This is a scientific truth. You, you, you need people in your life. And if you are, if you're going to be a good steward of the one life that you have, you, you not only need to like watch what you eat and go to the gym, but you need, you need some people to go grab a drink with. You need some girls to go shopping with. You need somebody to watch the game with. And if your spouse pushes back or asks why, just say, look, I'm investing in my well-being. Hashtag science, Pastor Matt said so. But it's not just a scientific truth. It's also a theological truth. Because if you've, you've been around Christianity for any time, if you've read the scriptures, what, what you may already know is that, like in the first five minutes of creation, in the book of Genesis, we see that, that God makes mankind. God makes the first man, Adam, and immediately, before the world's fallen into sin, before there's any trouble on the horizon at all, God makes man, and he starts to search for a companion for man. And he looks at mankind, and he says, it is not good for man to be alone. God looks at Adam, and he says what we say to small children and puppies, if I leave you by yourself, it's going to get bad. We need friends in our life. But, but science and theology, they go further and they tell us not just that we are wired and in need of friendship, but there's like a particular kind of friendship that we need. We need people in our life with whom there is some transparency and there is some openness and there is some trust. That's what we need in our life. We, we need people not just that we can go golfing with or we can watch The Bachelor with, but we need people that we can, we can confess some things to and they won't, they won't push away from the table, but like they'll stay there and they'll keep an eye contact with us and they will receive us. That that's, that's what we need. So simple question right out of the gate. And sadly, the answer to this question for far too many people is no. And the question is this. Do you have a friend? Do you have a friend? Now, now the second thing that a practicing, practicing Christian holds tight to is not just the, the universal truth that we need friends, but we need friends who share our faith. We need friends who share our faith that we can walk through faith with. Again, think of the language that the writer of Hebrew uses to describe, to describe the faith that we have. And this is true throughout the scriptures. When you flip through the scriptures and you see the Christian faith being described, it is always described as a team sport. It's always described as a team sport. Faith is a personal possession, but it is a community expression. Faith is a personal expression, but a personal possession rather, but it is a community expression. The writer of Hebrews uses all plural pronouns to describe the Christian faith. We approach God together. We hold tight to his promises. We learn his truths together. We, we seek to be more and more in the image and likeness of Jesus together. We walk this life of faith together. Your friends who share your faith, they are going to be the ones who 
who hold you accountable and call you out when you're texting the girl at work that's not your wife. Your friends who share your faith, they're going to be the ones who, who rally around you and they embrace you when, when you announce that your, your father has stage 4 lung cancer. Your friends who share your faith are the ones who are going to notice that you've not been at church for a couple of weeks and they're just going to happen to show up at your house on Sunday afternoon. You friends who share your faith, they are the ones who will listen to you as you confess something horrible, like rooting for the cowboys. And they will hear that confession and they will remind you that Jesus Christ has died for and forgiven even you. Faith is a personal possession, but a community expression. This is why whenever evil is on the prowl, and, and if you're not here as a person of faith, one of the things you need to know about us is that we, we do believe that there is something in this world that we can label as evil, and that there is even e evil personified that we call Satan. And that Satan, as the Bible says, prowls like a roaring lion trying to devour people. And what we believe is that when he prowls and he's trying to devour you or disrupt your life, his first tactic, his first move is always the same. He tries to pull you from people who believe and cherish and hold to the same things as you. It's his first move is to isolate you. Now, now there are some of us here this morning who, if, if I were to ask you how your faith is doing, you would say, not so great. It feels fragile. It feels like a strong wind and certainly some, some difficulty in life could just like snuff it out. Or, or your faith feels kind of dead and dry and you're here this morning more out of a sense of like obligation than out of a, anything that looks like joy or desire. And I, I would guess that if you and I were to sit down together and, and talk about your life, that if we were to dig into the reality of your day-to-day -day existence, that the truth is that you, you have very few or not nearly enough people around you in your life who share your faith, who can remind you of what you believe, encourage you in the hope that you have, or the people that you do have, you, you are very limited in the amount of things that you will share with them in opening up your heart and your mind. You, you don't go very deep with them. You stay at the surface with them. And here's what I want to remind you, that, that relationships are the oxygen to the flame that is your faith. Relationships are the thing that help, help it burn brightly, that give fuel to it. That, that faith, your faith, is a lot like a little charcoal briquette. It can hold a lot of heat, but it retains its heat when it's with other lumps of coal. And you got to keep them together, and the whole thing together can stay really, really warm. But you pull one from the rest, and it quickly gets cold. You need friends who share your faith. Do you have them? And are you opening up to them? Now, now you, you need friends who share your faith, not just because it will encourage you and keep you accountable. And this is really the, the most kind of mind-blowing and encouraging truth that I have to share with you this morning. You need friends who share your faith because it's through those people that God provides his divine presence. It's difficult for us to wrap our minds around, but God insists on being experienced through his profoundly imperfect people. It is through his people that you experience his presence. 
you see this throughout the scriptures. I, I pulled just one scripture that, that gives us this promise. And in fact, let's, let's read it together. Put it on the screen. Read this together. 1 Corinthians chapter 12. You, church, are the body of Christ and individually members of it. The people of God are a primary place in which you will encounter God. He promises to be divinely present through us together. You know, as a pastor, I, I get to hear a lot of people's complaints about God. I get to hear a lot of complaints about other things, too. But primarily, I get to hear complaints that people have about God. So people will say things like, I, I wish God in the face of tragedy would just show up and show himself in this world when something horrible goes wrong. And my response is, he does. Or people will say, I wish God would just speak plainly and clearly and cut through all the confusion so I can know exactly what he's trying to say to the world and to me. And my response is, he is. And there are those who say, I want to see God working and active in this world in a way that I can point at it, and if I want to, I can join into the activity of God. And my response is, you can. Maybe you didn't know this, but, but when a friend who shares your faith reminds you in the face of something terrible that you are loved, or, or when a preacher speaking in alignment with God's word he, he proclaims to you that you are forgiven. Do you know who it is that's speaking to you? It's Jesus. When, when your world falls apart and, and the church comes around you and they wrap their arms around you, like they, they, they hug you and they help you, do you know who is helping you? It is Jesus. When you're desperate for direction or insight and you reach out to your friends who share your faith and they start bombarding you with text messages and insight and advice and emojis, do you know who is reaching out to you? It is Jesus who is giving you direction and emojis. It's Jesus. That's what we believe. He is there for you through his people, giving you his presence. If you disconnect yourself from the people of God, you pull yourself from the presence of God. That's how he works. I know it's weird that he would work through such profoundly imperfect people, but he insists on it. He's always wrapped himself in weakness. You cannot claim that you want a relationship with Jesus, but nothing to do with his bride, the church. He won't allow for it. He insists on being found and experienced among us. So, so if you're serious about practicing biblical community, it means you need a handful of things in your life. And to those three things, you have to bring one thing each and every time you show up. So, so you need a church, you need a group, and you need one person. First, you need a church that relentlessly gives you Jesus, the person and the promises and the comforts of Jesus. Every sermon, every service, every group that they facilitate, everything that they do, it's really all about just putting Jesus in front of you and telling you who he is and what he's done for you and what he wants from you and what he has to offer you each and every time. You need a church that understands there's really only one thing that it can give to you that nobody else can. Jesus Christ crucified and risen for you. And they relentlessly give that hope and that peace and that promise to you. That, that's what we aim to be here at St. Mark. 
That's why we have the words meet Jesus kind of plastered all over the place. Because in every setting, we want you not just to make friends, but to ultimately meet him. Because he's the one who changes lives and saves the world and forgives sins. Him, him, him. And friends, you need that more than you need breath in your lungs. And and I'll be so bold as to say that, that if you don't think we're doing a good job as a church of putting Jesus front and center in everything that we do and constantly putting him and his work and his promises for you front and center in everything that we do, you need to call us on that and hold us accountable to that. And if after that, in searching for Jesus in this place, you're still not able to find him, you need to find a church where you can. It's that important. It's that important. You also need a group of people who share your faith and those those small groups of people who know your name and know, know your beliefs and who share them with you, who will miss you when you're gone, those relationships are often formed in the local church by going on things like a men's retreat or a women's retreat, both of which we've got coming up here at St. Mark, or being part of a Bible study or sitting in the same pew with somebody for years on end or having kids in the same Sunday school class. That's how these relationships form. Don't run from them. Be open to them. And you need a person You need a person with whom you can be totally open and totally honest, who shares your faith, who you could could show up on their doorstep and confess the worst possible thing, and they're not going to slam the door in your face. They're going to welcome you in. They're going to pray for you. They're going to be the presence of Jesus to you. Now, certainly one of those people ideally should be your spouse, but I will say this. Your spouse can't bear the sole weight of your need for biblical community. No one person can bear that full weight. So if you're married, may that person be your spouse, but you probably also need another person that you can be open with and you can confess things to, and they will be Jesus to you. And then to all three of those things, to that church, to that group, to that friend, you bring one thing. You bring transparency. You show up to church. You show up to church with an honest heart, ready to share. You show up with an honest heart, ready to receive from the sermon, from the songs. You show up to that group of friends, ready to go just a little bit beneath the surface, refusing to say, I'm fine, but instead telling the truth. And you show up to that one relationship with an open heart. And you give that person permission, that safe, faith-filled person, you give them permission to, to go hunting in your life. They have a hunting license to your character, to your heart, and to your existence. They can ask anything, know anything, and you will share with them because you know that they'll take what you reveal and they'll, they'll send it, they'll give it to Jesus. That's what you need. In my years in ministry, I've been really blessed at times uh, to work with groups like Celebrate Recovery and Alcoholics Anonymous. And I respect those, those groups so much, primarily because they understand the power of community probably better than anybody else. They understand the essential nature of community in transforming someone's life and, and freeing them from 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 addiction and chemical dependence and other things. They also understand how essential essential community is in staying healthy. An acronym that's very common in those circles is the acronym HALT, H-A-L-T. And you may be familiar with this. It's used to describe the moments when human beings are most vulnerable and most prone to self-destruction. It stands for when you're hungry, angry, 
lonely, or tired. When you're hungry, angry, lonely, or tired, watch out. Because you might just do something dumb. And depending on who you ask, many of them will say that loneliness is the most dangerous of them. And you don't have to be an addict to know that this is true. What do you do when you're really lonely? Like, like if I've been traveling for a while, I've been away from my family, like if I'm feeling lonely, don't let me near Amazon.com. I will prime all of my problems away. When you've been disconnected from community, like people who know you and love you and share the same beliefs as you, what do you do? Now, here's the good news for you. You may feel very alone, and I know some of us are struggling with loneliness and isolation. You have a very good friend in Jesus. He has left everything for you, and he's lived for you and died for you. And even if you were the only person in the whole of history, he would have done it all for you. And he rose for you and, and defeated sin, death, the devil, all the bad stuff for you. And now he promises that you're forgiven and you are a member of the Father's family and that any time, listen to me on this, any time you reach out to him, he, he will not break eye contact with you. He won't like leave you on red and ghost you. He, he, won't, he won't come up with some excuse as to why he can't forgive you or listen to your prayer. He will always, always be there for you. And here's, my, here's my, my pleading for you, is to lean into that friendship. Lean into the friendship of Jesus Christ that is yours. Here's how. Lean into the people of Jesus that are all around you. Profoundly imperfect though they be. Because if you lean into those relationships and those possibilities with transparency and openness... You'll find some friends. You'll find some friends who share your faith. You will find the very presence of God. More next week. Let's pray.